You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 260. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by my newest obsession, Four Sigmatic. I love Four Sigmatic coffees and hot cacao mixes. They also have elixirs as well. They're all superfood-based products, specifically my favorites being the, the cacao mix and the coffees because they have half the caffeine of regular coffee in the coffee mix. There's no jitters, no crash, and no stomach issues. So it's easy to make and travel with because of the little packets they also sell them in. You just mix them with hot water and you're good to go. No machines necessary. You mix it in and it has the superfood mushrooms built in. I love this because A, I don't really like coffee. You guys see me drink iced tea all day long and that is still a part of my life, but my newest ritual is honestly to drink two, sometimes three of these little mochas I'm going to tell you about in a second from Four Sigmatic every day as well. And because it has half the caffeine of regular coffee and because of the no jitters, no crash and a stomach issues thing, I can have two or three and then drink some iced teas and I'm good to go. And it's weirdly the fact that I just love it. I might be a lot of caffeine, but who's counting? Anyways, so if you guys want to try this, my recommendation, and I've seen people on Instagram start to share that they've been trying this too from my discount code, which I'll give you guys in a second, but I really recommend if you like a mocha, because I'm not a sugar girl and I'm not a milk girl with my coffee, but I don't like plain black coffee. This is the combination I highly recommend. It's the mushroom coffee with cordyceps plus the mushroom hot cacao mix. Try the hot cacao mix with the cordyceps coffee. It makes a little mocha. You just put two of those packs together, mix them with a spoon, and you're good to go. I even got a to-go glass cup to take this around with me around the city when I want to drink this. Because like I said, I'll usually now wake up and the thing that gets me out of bed and in alignment first is trying one of these, possibly two, and then heading out to the coffee shop where I switch to iced tea. If you want to try this, use the discount code LIVELY to get 15% off. I literally had them ship me 10 boxes of the coffee and 10 boxes of the cacao mix before I left to Sydney because I was really wanting to stock up. But because I go through them so quickly, I'm going to have to make a reorder soon. So try that 15% off discount. And then, of course, go over to foursigmatic.com lively to see these products yourselves. I hope you love them as much as I do because, as you can tell, I'm a little obsessed. Now for where I am, I'm in Sydney hosting the Intuition Intensive today. Very excited to start interviewing people's intuitions about the subjects they want to know more clarity on. So this is a really fun thing. It's happening today, which is Tuesday as I'm recording this, and it will also happen next Tuesday. So go over to justlively.com slash intuition intensive if you're curious on what it is and if you want to join us next Tuesday. And now let's move on to the show so today's show, we're having Faze Nazarelli, who is from episode 227. He's one of my high vibe friends. He's on the leading edge of spirituality, consciousness, and tech. I always love meeting up with him here in Sydney. We have so much fun with his wife, Jess, as well, and their new baby, Leo, hanging out, having dinner, and talking about all of the cutting edge topics that are coming out of our exploration into consciousness and everything that you hear about here on The Lively Show. 
phase many moons ago told me to get into cryptocurrency. And had I done it then and had I invested as he would have suggested, I'd probably be a millionaire at this point. But because I didn't take his advice at the time, I'm now having this episode far later when a ton of my friends are into cryptocurrency. I really love attraction or something is going on. So I cannot escape it. And I assume that many others listening to the show might have friends or know people that are getting into it or start hearing about it in the markets more and more because it's so incredibly hot right now. So the reason I want to have it on is to explain it because I think it is a part of our future. And as you guys know, season four of The Lively Show, consciousness and the evolution of our species is what I'm all about. So this is an aspect of it, but it's instead of on the individual level, it's on the collective level. We're going to talk about how cryptocurrency varies from regular fiat currency. And like I said, right now, the true Newtonian people are not going to be jumping necessarily on board to cryptocurrency in this moment. But I would say decades to come for sure, as you learn more about this system and how it works, I think you'll start to see from listening to the show how this is possibly or quite probably the future. And what I am most excited about and what makes it most a fit for The Lively Show is because we're going to discuss how the cryptocurrency economic model is based on abundance, where our traditional monetary system is literally based on scarcity. So even though we try to have an abundance mindset in our economic system right now, the system itself is based on scarcity, where the differences in cryptocurrency, it is based on abundance. What a cool thing to see our consciousness not only have a shift on the individual level, but also on the economic system itself. How cool is that? We'll explain all of that and more. Let's go to the show. Faze, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Of course. I'm so excited to be kicking off 2018 with you as my first guest because I am literally, I guess law of attraction-wise, surrounded by people obsessed with cryptocurrency right now. And of course, I want to know more. And since you're so involved in this and have understood this and have been trying to get me into this for most of this year, I'd love to have you share how you got to where you are and how you got into cryptocurrency. Thank you. Yes, it's an honor to do the first New Year's podcast with you. I'll just throw a quick disclaimer in. I'm not trying to offer any financial advice, and I'm not here to, to bag out any governments. And these are just my views that I'm explaining to you. So crypto has been on my radar for the last three, four years. When I first heard about it, I couldn't even buy it. You know, living in Australia, I was looking at different websites, and there was literally no place where I could buy it. And the places that potentially looked like I could, they were very dodgy websites and didn't really feel secure enough to do it. So about three years ago, I started actually trading Bitcoin on a CFD's market, which is like almost like a future. And I started trading it on leverage. And I saw how the market was moving. I started learning a lot about the back end technology. And I realized that this is something that's going to be huge in the future, specifically around the technology that underpins Bitcoin which I'll talk about a little bit later on. So I saw this as a huge opportunity. I saw the gains. I saw people coming together, but it was still super early. And like I said, it was tough for me to buy the actual physical Bitcoin. So I traded it for a little while. I made a bit of money and then I kind of left it for a year or two. And then last year is when I really got back into the fray because a lot of my friends and people that I know who are in the space were nudging me and saying, look, you got to get involved. This is going to be huge. Okay. So what did you do since the last year? So in the last year, it's almost like I had no choice. Like there was all these different signs and different ways that I was getting more and more infiltrated into the space and people were bringing it up in, in coffee meetings and people were talking about it when I was at dinner. So I got more and more interested. And because of that, 
I decided to take a more pragmatic approach to investing in it and, you know, understanding these companies, understanding the teams behind them, looking at the white papers in detail. And, you know, it, it is quite time intensive when you take it to that level. But because of the interest levels that were peaked at that stage, probably early last year, I just went all in. You kind of sound like me finding Abraham for the first time and just getting obsessed. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit like that. And have you seen great results? Obviously, we don't have to go into personal numbers. By the way, guys, you've said some words, phase that are totally over my head and probably many listeners about leveraging and trading futures and stuff. But have you seen gains from what the decisions you've made have been so far? And then we'll get into the actual experience itself. Yeah, look, we're at a stage right now where everything is really growing. So all the top coins are growing. So every single investment I've made in crypto has yielded a positive result, which is kind of crazy to think. Okay, so let's explain what cryptocurrency is and what is the blockchain. So cryptocurrency is a digital currency that's supported by a decentralized ecosystem. What that means is if you look at the current banking system, each bank has their own central core infrastructure that they use to, to store all the information about your bank accounts, your, your debits, your credits, etc. And they own all of that data. That's their data. Whereas in a decentralized environment, that data is completely dispersed and sliced up into bits and bytes and stored in a multifaceted environment of different nodes or servers, if you will. And why does that matter if they have the data versus the nodes or the servers or the bits have the data? Well, if the data is stored centrally, either a central bank can change the money supply, a corrupt or incompetent government can change or lose records. Records of ownership can be damaged by water or fire, even if they are stored in servers. So there's a lot of risk for having things centrally stored. And there's a lot of downside to having things centrally stored. So even the banks would have redundancy in that they would have their infrastructure stored in multiple data centers. So if one failed, it would fail over into the, the other data center that would still be live and active. However, in a decentralized environment, the owners of the servers are not really related either. So the ownership is decentralized. And so the transactions happen when there's consensus amongst all of the nodes in the environment. Okay, can you break that down into human speak? Like, what does that really mean? So say you have 100 servers, and you and I had to do a Bitcoin transaction. If 51 of the servers say that that transaction happened, then it goes into the ledger, and it's marked in there. But what if it's not? What if it's 49? then it will wait until consensus is achieved. Okay, and in the centralized banking system, the regular money that we're using right now, what's happening? So what's happening is, depending on the type of transaction, say we're in the same bank and we do a transaction through electronic transfer, the bank will manage the debits and credits within their own system. If it's from bank to bank, then they have a system to trade their information. Yeah, like wire transfers, all right, that makes sense. And that's why they take a little bit longer. So like a bank transfer can take days and it also can cost a lot of money when you're doing it overseas. There's larger fees associated with it. And that's because of the admin function that it actually takes for the bank to make that transfer. Okay. So basically the barter system is what cash is. We say, I'm going to give you this piece of paper that is currently backed by a government in most cases when we're giving away money. And we're going to do X, Y, or Z service or give whatever product. And that's what we're doing instead of trading mules and camels and sheep and wheat. Now, what you're saying is instead of using the government papers and the government-run centralized banking system format, we're now basically bartering within ourselves, within an ecosystem that someone's created that essentially has, quote unquote, kind of no value other than the people using it, but it's now getting linked to actual money at the same time, right? But overall, the idea is that we're trading these bitcoins or whatever your coin in the cryptocurrency is, just like we would regular money. But how does that tie 
to the value of like the US dollar or the Australian dollar or the pound right now with crypto? Like how come so many people are making so much cash money or value in the physical government money in crypto? Yeah. So currency or money is essentially a social contract. What that means is that it becomes valuable when we deem it valuable as a collective. So if you thought money was valuable and I didn't think money was valuable and you wanted to pay me, I would say, no, I don't think it's valuable. We both have to agree that it's valuable for me to take it. So in a way, it's a, a social contract and an agreement of sorts. Now, going back to your question around bartering and how it ties to the fiat currency system. And when I say fiat currency system, that means the dollar system or the euro system. All of these government tenders are, are called fiat, F-I-A-T. And that's the term for that. So essentially, you know, if you go back to when people were trading sheep, they started to move towards gold because gold was easier to manage, easier to carry, and it was a good store of value. And then leveraged on top of that came money, dollars. And so dollars became more valuable in their entire ecosystem than all the gold, and money became used to transfer value. Oh, wait, here's what I'm seeing in my head right now as you describe this. Okay, first, they used to have to carry sheep. They're like really heavy. So then they're like, all right, gold coins are lighter than sheep. And so they go, okay, we're going to use the gold coins. And then they go, wait, paper's lighter than gold coins. So then we started printing paper money. And now, I mean, I don't even see cash unless I take it out of my account to pay for the coffee I want. So it's all digital anyways. When I get paid with my online business, I'm not getting cash bills anyways. It's already digital. So what you're saying is now that we're in this digital, non-physical economy, essentially, crypto really is not that different in terms of our actual exchange of it to the currency we're using that's backed by governments? Completely. And you said it. So we're already in this digital world. We're already using money digitally. And if you look at the stats, 92% of the world's currency is already in digital form. Only 8% roughly is in physical paper form, which is crazy. When I found out that stat, I was blown away. So we're already there. We're, we're already transacting at a digital level. And now this is a layer on top of that that offers significant benefits both with blockchain technology, but also with smart contracts and other things that are getting stacked on top of it. Okay, so can you explain blockchain? Yeah, so blockchain essentially is, it's a decentralized database, essentially. So if you think about an Excel spreadsheet, and if you and I were managing a Google Sheet or an Excel spreadsheet and we were sharing information in there, the blockchain is similar to that, except nothing can be changed. Once an entry goes in based on consensus in the network, it's immutable, meaning it's never going to be changed. It cannot be changed the transaction history is fixed and fully verifiable. Is that until someone else wants to trade the money again and then it's changed again? It's not changed again. A new entry is made into the blockchain. And that's different than money from the government. How? Or why do we care about that? Does that matter? So the money from the government is centralized. It's contained within borders and it goes down in value based on inflation. And so most currencies experience inflation, some higher than others. And the dollar is less and less valuable every day. Whereas with blockchain and with cryptocurrencies, most of them have a fixed supply. So the scarcity element is much higher and the value goes up as more people adopt it. Yes, this is actually what got me months ago. Sorry, guys, for being so late on the bandwagon of actually doing this show. But months ago, when you first told me, Jess, get into crypto, and I did it, but you told me about it. You said, Jess, this is what got me into it. I was like, I need to have a show about this. You said there's a fundamental shift in this approach because it goes from a scarcity model of supply to an abundance model. And of course, everybody knows I'm all about abundance and law of attraction and all these good things. So tell me, how is this different from scarcity in the regular money market to a abundant supply. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So the current financial system, if you look at how it works, we'll use the US as an example. 
but they all work in similar fashion. So the U.S. dollar gets printed. The decisions are made by the Federal Reserve, which is, you know, a private company or I'm not really sure of the structure behind it, but I know it's not necessarily a government structure. But what they do is they provide bonds or certificates in exchange for the money. And there's nothing backing those bonds. It's just essentially a piece of paper. And they put more money into the ecosystem. And they do that via the banks. And so say they put a billion dollars through a bank. The bank then takes that billion dollars and slices it up and starts loaning it out to people and charging interest on it. Now, say the bank charges 1% interest for argument's sake. There's no money in the system for that 1%. So people actually go broke by design of the system and they have to consistently pump more money into the system to make it survive. Okay, so I heard you say that, but I don't think I really grasped it. So if they give the money, let's say I want to buy a house and it's going to be a 1% like you're describing, how am I going broke? So it's a closed system, right? So say you put a billion dollars in and then someone tries to charge a 1% on that billion dollars. The 1% doesn't exist in the system yet. Because it's only 1 billion. It's not 1 billion plus 1%. Exactly. Okay, so that means that all the money that's being paid has to go back to where it came from to pay for the interest? Well, it means two things. So the money comes in from the top down. And so people at the bottom have to go broke in the system because no money actually exists for them to pay it. So they're forced to go broke. So that's why you know poverty proliferates in this type of fiat currency system. And companies require profit to succeed. So if a company doesn't gain profit, they essentially die in the system as well. Whereas if in contrast, if you look at the cryptocurrency system, which in my view is more of an abundance model, everyone gains with ecosystem growth. So for example, say you buy into Bitcoin and I already own Bitcoin. Because you're buying in, my Bitcoin automatically becomes more valuable. Why? Because the market cap goes up. What is market cap? So market cap is the total value of all of the circulation multiplied by the value of Bitcoin. So let me see if I can break this down then. Does that mean that there's only, let's say, for sake of ease here, there's only 100 Bitcoins out there. So the more people that want to get in, let's say 1,000 people want to get in and want to own Bitcoins, they can't all own. So they just keep dividing the currently available Bitcoins. And that means that all of the Bitcoins and whoever owns whatever portion of them has a more valuable Bitcoin just because there's more people that want to be a part of those 100 coins. Correct. So the reason why it's an abundance model is because the modern crypto companies and blockchain style companies, when they have an underpinning token, by more people getting involved with the token, everyone gains and they don't necessarily only require profit to exceed to excel as a company. They could actually have a marginal profit and make more money on ecosystem growth. And if they ever needed to use the cash, they could liquidate their tokens or their coins. And they're liquidating them back to the regular monetary cash system that's in the centralized money system? Currently, yes. Or they can move it to Bitcoin, which is the common denominator currency or the central reserve currency of the whole crypto market. Okay. Now, the people that are making these are essentially anyone right now. Is that true? Yeah. So there's different teams around the world putting these together. About 80 to 90% of them probably won't go anywhere, but there's a good 10% that will be some of the biggest companies in the world in the future, in my opinion. And they're companies. This is a not a bank. This isn't a government. This is a company that's making cash or what we would consider like the equivalent. Well, they're generally structured as foundations, but yeah, they're companies. Wow. So it's going to be companies owning our money rather than governments. Is that in our better interest? No, it's not really companies owning the money. It's foundations running these decentralized ecosystems. And the goal of that they have is to spread this and make it so that these are with us in the long term. So 
for example, there are some projects that are centralized and they're controlled by a company, if you will. But there's others that are very decentralized and that are for the people and that are common good. And I strongly believe that those common good projects are the ones we're going to see in you know five to 10 years time. And the, the self-interest projects are going to decimate. Okay. So how do we know which one we're looking at if we're looking at a cryptocurrency? Because there's many of them, correct? Yeah, correct. So one of the lenses that I look at and it's something that I just mentioned was the the common interest model. So I, I firmly believe that, you know, people, companies, team members, alliances, partnerships, if they're aligned with common interest, there's much more abundance in the air and there's much more ability for everyone to grow together. When there's companies or people that are self-interest focused and making selfish decisions at the expense of others or at the expense of the environment or the expense of the greater community, I feel like those are the ones that are not going to excel in the long run and that this new model really makes it very clear where they stand. And this blockchain model is decentralized by nature. So it's a proponent of everyone being involved, everyone having opportunity and gains being spread amongst the ecosystem. Okay, so what about governments? What is their perspective on crypto? Because it seems like it would be in their interest to kind of block this stuff since it kind of takes the party away from their own cash currency model. On the government side, it's very interesting. So it's a very new space for a lot of governments. So China banned cryptocurrencies at one stage. They banned Bitcoin initially, and then they unbanned it. And then they banned ICOs, which are initial coin offerings. Um, Russia has done similar sort of stuff. But there's also talks that, you know, they're going to create their own cryptocurrencies. So Russia was already putting together a development team to create the crypto ruble, for example. So you're seeing governments are definitely getting involved. Like the Australian government is talking about it in their meetings. There are even talks that they're going to use it as a, as a reserve currency. So I think a lot of them are already invested in it, in my opinion. And they're looking at how they can leverage it in their own ecosystem, but also prevent the risk of, you know, people circumventing the government and the tax system. Yeah. So what is the U.S.? Because I know most of our listeners are U.S. based. So they may be very curious if they're thinking about getting into this, what the government's like there. Yeah. So from what I read, Trump just signed a bill that was active from January 1st that all crypto trades will trigger a tax event, which wasn't the case before. So a lot of people trading will be potentially penalized for gains. The government hasn't put too much regulation out. You're going to see a lot of it come this year, in my opinion. But right now, I guess what they're trying to do is just contain it and not let people put unlimited amounts inside. And they're doing what's called uh, KYC, know your customer checks. So they're making sure that they know who's uh, investing in it. They're they're getting, you know, passport photos and signatures and all that kind of stuff to verify accounts to make sure that, I guess, bad organizations and bad groups aren't able to get into this as easily. Okay. And then why is it getting so much attention right now? Because the last few weeks, it has been off the chain. It's been off the blockchain, if you will. Why is it so crazy right now? Well, look, this is exponential technology. So I think this is just the very beginning, in my opinion. So the last stat I looked at around this, less than 1% of the world's population was involved. And a lot of people are likening this to the dot-com bubble, where there was this foundational stage where everything was getting put in place. And then there was this frenzy stage which lasted about two years where people were investing in everything like dog.com and anything.com and everything was going up for a period of time. And then there was a correction where a lot of the inflated companies that didn't have the right team or didn't have the execution strategy in place, you know, went down in flames and it was a bubble. So do you think we're in that right now for crypto? 
I think we're entering the frenzy stage right now. So I think, you know, in the crypto world, having a 20% swing up and down is normal, which in the stock market would be like a whole year. And that happens in one day in crypto. Like today, we reached an all-time high of 756 billion market cap. So nearly 1 trillion market cap. And people were anticipating 1 trillion by 2020. So we're getting there a lot quicker than, than even the aggressive anticipations. So like I said, this is exponential technology. There's nothing to compare it to. A lot of people are trying to compare this even to dot-com bubble. I think it's completely different. Like these are assets that people on a global scale are able to adopt, which wasn't necessarily the case with the dot-com bubble. And this is potentially going to disrupt and augment and improve the financial system. How is it going to augment and will people be buying their coffees and their houses with crypto in the future? Yeah. So right now you're seeing a lot of people don't want to spend their Bitcoin because it's going up so fast. But yeah, people do spend cryptocurrencies. You know, transactions are happening across all the different cryptocurrencies on a daily basis. But you'll see that over time there will be a currency that presents itself to be more of a cash style cryptocurrency. Right now, I think Ethereum and Ripple and Bitcoin Cash are the closest to that, but I still don't think that that need is being met correctly in the market. I think right now it's it's a very early stage. It's like when the internet first started, you know, like Google wasn't even invented yet. So I still feel like we're there and a lot of the roads are being paved. Okay, so this isn't right now yet what we're going to be buying with a credit or debit card. This isn't connected to that at this moment, but eventually that's where this is headed. Well, it is right now. So as of this year, and late last year, there's a lot of debit cards that exist where you can move your Bitcoin onto these debit cards and actually spend it as a Visa debit. So a company, a company called 10X is doing it and there's several others. And that's the eventual idea, this, that stuff is. And I know you've also told me about some of the projects or some of the coins that have really altruistic aspects to them, including the one about trees. Can you tell us about some of the projects you're most excited about that have philanthropic or humanity benefiting benefits for joining those coins? Yeah, so I was recently at a festival in Thailand called Wonderfruit, and they were using TreeCoin to pay a lot of the people there. And what TreeCoin stands for is it for every dollar spent, a dollar gets put it towards planting a tree. And I said, how do you do that? If a dollar gets spent, how do you invest one dollar into planting a tree? And it was really interesting. This opened up a whole new realm for me. So essentially, when they use this dollar to plant a tree, they planted in Myanmar, and they've found the special tree that they can plant that gives $5 in carbon credits. And carbon credits are a tangible asset that gets traded on carbon credit exchanges. And the big oil companies and big business actually buy these credits to offset their carbon emissions. So what this tree coin was doing was taking a dollar, putting it into planting a tree in Myanmar, and gaining $5 in carbon credits from that and selling it on the open carbon market and using that as a profit mechanism. That's incredible. So they're making $4 off of every dollar by investing a dollar into a tree. Correct. So they could actually run their whole festival at a neutral margin and not make as much profit there and make more of the profit on the humanitarian side. So it's quite interesting how this opens up a lot of different areas and abilities to generate income and profit where it's not the traditional way where you need to extract it from your customers always. Is there any other projects like that that are really interesting? Yeah, there's several good projects. So there's one called Stellar Lumens. That's one that I'm following quite closely at the moment. And that is a very fast transaction network that could potentially offer a lot more value than the other cryptos that are mainstream. It's quickly gaining traction. It's the number seven coin right now. And that one's really decentralized. So the, the good thing about that is they've made a focus on making it so that no central investor can own 
a large supply of the Stellar Lumens ecosystem, which is not the case for other ones like Ripple, for example. Okay. And if people are looking to do this as an investment strategy, is that a good idea? And if so, how would they get started? So if it was me, I would definitely be going into this as much as possible. I feel that this is a better savings plan than keeping money in the bank as cash, but it's high risk, high reward. There's not a lot of regulation right now, so no one really knows what the governments are going to do. However, I recommend with discretion to definitely get involved. There's a number of ways to do so. So there's the first step is to get an account where you can actually convert dollars or your fiat currency into crypto. Coinbase is the simplest. If you're doing larger amounts and you want to save on the fees, GDAX is one of their sister companies that is a little bit more complex, but uh, offers a better fee structure. And then Kraken would be another one. Then what you can do is once you buy Bitcoin, which is the gateway, you can move it into other currencies on an exchange. So there's exchanges like Bitrix, Binance, Poloniex. Um, we can shoot over the links in the show notes. And these exchanges are where you take your Bitcoin and you convert it to altcoins, which are other currencies in the crypto market. And a lot of these currencies have, you know, some of them are brand new. Some of them have been around for a while, several years even. And they have different size communities and different size market caps. So some of them, if you catch early, there's a lot more gains to be had. And some of them, if you catch late, they're more secure compared to the, the higher risk ones. Okay. So how would we go about finding good quality information on these different coins? You know, Google's your friend. There's plenty of good information out there. You have to take some of the stuff with a grain of salt. So there's a lot of people that are, for example, behind a coin and they've invested a lot in the coin and they just try and create a lot of hype around it. So not all the news is correct. So just be careful of that. And the number one site to look at all the coins is called coinmarketcap.com. And if you go to that site, you can see all the different coins. You can see their uh, recent trajectories and you can look at their websites through that site as well. So you can look at the individual coins websites. And I find that looking at their social profiles, looking at their Twitter, Reddit and their Bitcoin talk forum shows you their swag when it comes to the social stuff. And then looking at their white paper and their team are the two biggest assets that you want to be reviewing before investing in a new cryptocurrency. Okay. And what about safety with this? I know you told me about some exchanges that got hacked. So it's kind of, it makes me think of the Wild West in America back in the day when they'd be like, oh, someone robbed the bank and like the money is really gone. <laughs> Where we have the FDIC to support our financial system right now as far as our own personal losses are concerned. How do we deal with crypto safely? So that's where the risk reward comes in. Because the FDIC isn't involved yet, there's more risk, but also more reward because less people are willing to invest. And, you know, Warren Buffett has a famous quote. He says, when people are greedy, be fearful. And when people are fearful, be greedy. And I think right now it's like kind of still the fearful stage where a lot of people are antsy about getting in. They feel like it may be too late because Bitcoin's already so high. And they're still in that fearful stage where they're like, oh, you know, it's not backed by anything. It's not secure. You know, they're looking at all the all the negative elements. But really, if you're prudent and you go about it the right way, you can be very secure about it. So what I recommend doing is always having your own wallet. There's free wallets in the app store that you can find. If you're on iOS or Apple, you can use the bread wallet and Jax, J-A-X-X for altcoins. Bread wallet is just for Bitcoin at the moment. And those two are really, really good ones. The most secure is cold storage, which refers to a hardware device that you can buy that looks a bit like a USB. And you plug that into your computer and it has its own screen that you talk to. And because it has its own screen, no one can really hack it because 
it it's offline and all of the digits that are that are shown on that screen aren't coming from your computer. So if someone for whatever reason got control of your computer, they still wouldn't see what's happening on that secondary device. So that's ultra secure. And the Trezor or the Ledger Nano S are the ones that uh, are the market leaders there. Actually, you told me an interesting story about a guy that lost all his money because a woman threw his phone or his cold wallet overboard. So you do need to keep this thing safe, right? This is where the money is in this case. It's kind of like having all your dollars in a suitcase. Is that the right analogy? Well, well, so that story was before backups were available. With today's technology, you can actually back this up. So you, you get a passphrase that when you're creating the wallet, when you're creating any wallet, make sure you have a pen and paper handy and write all of this stuff down on a piece of paper because that's the most secure. And then you can store it digitally if you can do that in a safe way. But digitally is not as safe as they say as writing it on a pen and paper. These are the recommendations that I've been given. So I'm just sharing that. So Essentially, if, if you're creating a wallet, you'll get a passphrase and then that passphrase is the backup for your wallet. So if you ever lose the cold storage wallet, you can recover it by buying a brand new one of the same brand and using the recovery passphrase. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> I was thinking if someone just like gets in a house fire, then what are they going to do with that? But that makes sense. The Wild West is getting better. I know it is the Wild West. And it seems like there are risks, like you're saying. This is not something we're saying is a safe thing that has been done for eons before. This is brand new. This is potentially the future as we see it as where we're headed. And it's really exciting because when I think about this as on the bigger picture of like consciousness and humanity and evolution, I just see it as a really wonderful shift from the scarcity model you described with the current banking system to this abundance model and thinking about how even Abraham will say, you know, you guys aren't shipping in any deliveries of new resources onto this planet, but look at how much you've created within the planet that you have just by utilizing your resources. And really what that's been able to be done through is us being able to exchange energy on larger and larger scales. But at this time or up to this level of consciousness, most of that energy has been exchanged by a very few number of people that have had very self-interested motives because their consciousness was at that level. And what's cool is as our consciousness is rising as a mass of people and we're getting more connected as a mass of people, we're having more autonomy as a mass of people, hopefully at least that's the idea, and that this cryptocurrency is just an aspect of that evolution of consciousness and of our ability to choose where and how our energy is spent because it's either going towards energy being exchanged for a salary in cash or if it's being exchanged in crypto, in crypto, we actually get to choose, are we going to get paid or are we going to invest in these things like the Miramar project where we're actually planting trees at the same time? Totally. And you just reminded me of another project, actually, because you were asking me earlier about other cool projects and two just came to mind when you were speaking there. So one is called BAT, Basic Attention Token. And this was created by the, the creators of Mozilla Firefox and the, the creator of JavaScript, the programming language. And so this guy's a genius and he's put together a really solid team. I'm an investor in this one. And essentially what they're doing is they've created a browser as well, which is a replacement for Chrome, and it's more secure and faster than Chrome. And what it does is they pay you for your attention, and it's called basic attention token. So essentially you can monetize your attention, and they're building a framework around this. What does that even mean? So it means if you look at an ad or if you're even watching a video, you're getting paid to do so. So for watching YouTube, when a million ads come up because Abraham has so many ads on the YouTube videos, we're getting paid to watch the YouTube ads from Abraham videos? Correct. Correct. That's where we're heading. 
by the company publishing the ads, by the, the technology underpinned by the by a basic attention token. And a similar thing is also happening with another company called Steam. So their their website, steamit.com, is like a Reddit slash medium blog. And for people who write blog posts, they get paid in Steam dollars based on the engagement and their longevity on the platform. Very cool. So the more successful their spread is, they're getting value from the token? Correct. Some of the people who have been on the platform for a while are getting $500 per post in Steam dollars, which they can then put on an exchange and move to any other cryptocurrency and which they can spend on a debit card as well, which is amazing. Yeah, this is starting to make sense to me as you talk about this. So now just to share this as maybe the lay person that's listening, right? So, okay, we watch the YouTube ads for Abraham. Okay, we're using that browser that's giving us those credits. Eventually, we go to the exchange and we would exchange that attention span credit for a Bitcoin. And maybe we have a debit card that is a Bitcoin debit card. So we convert it into Bitcoin and then we can use that money when we go to the grocery store. Totally. And basic attention token will likely have their own debit card in the not too distant future. And so you could actually elect to just hold their coin because that also goes up in value. Okay. So right now it'll be either we'll either transition it into a Bitcoin or I'll an alternative coin, or we'll keep it within that specific coin we love and use itself. It actually almost reminds me of PayPal. When I have a balance on PayPal, I get paid and then it's in there and then I can also use it to buy. Thank God there's been PayPal options for me in Australia because a lot of places when I'm buying my refrigerator and stuff, they don't accept an American credit card and they're their back end. They don't have it set up in Australia for a US card. So I've been thankfully able to use my PayPal connection. And yes, you can. your PayPal is connected to your bank, so you could take directly from there. But I can also use the balance that's in my PayPal as the payment. So it's really interesting to think of almost in my head, the PayPal conversion and how I use PayPal almost makes me understand crypto, I think, a bit more as this other thing that has value on it and I can trade on it. It's still currently backed by financial like cash in the government system, but eventually it's that kind of idea that's going to be what crypto is like. Yeah, your PayPal account is exactly like a modern day wallet. All right. This is starting to make sense to me and I'm so excited to learn more. And then do you have any tips for people on where to go find? You just said basically you have to do your own due diligence in terms of finding the coins that are best. Is there any hot tips you would give people right now? Yeah, I'll give people my top five coins. So Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're the they're amongst the top. I, I really like those two. Uh, and I feel that those are the safest. Stellar Lumens is a really, really good one. Uh, Steam is the one I spoke about with the, the Reddit style social media platform. And they're actually opening up their protocol for other companies to use, which can also pay people for engaging with their content and also pay people for creating the content, which is super amazing. And basic attention token, BAT, that's the other one. Okay, and these are just your favorite projects. They're not necessarily the ones you think will have the highest returns, or are they? Well, I'm not at liberty to say that, but these are the ones that I'm personally behind, and I do feel that they will offer significant returns. Even though we have no idea what the future holds, guys. So this is not use your money at your own risk, but at least we now have a better awareness and understanding of what this is all about. And potentially what I'm so excited about is the abundance model of a higher level of consciousness and a more distributed level of autonomy and choice among people to put their energy into what they value the most rather than having a centralized government have that choice to make with their energy. Completely. Yeah. And I think decentralized workforces are also going to be a big thing where where a lot of the admin function is done by computers and people can just 
actually clock on and clock off when they feel like it and when they want to and have more autonomy over how they work and how they live. I think that'll be our next episode to do high vibe living and talk about that more. I know it's your other big passion right now. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. All right. So what would you tell anyone just starting out on this journey? Definitely get involved, even if it's in a very, very small way, because I strongly believe this is the biggest opportunity of our lifetimes. And right now is, you know, in Sydney, when the first fleet came here, land was one pound an an acre in it was in British pounds. It was sold back then. And now, you know, some land is 100 million an acre. And we're seeing the same thing with digital property and digital assets. And that's essentially what these are. These are digital assets that are going up in value significantly at the moment. A lot of people are accepting them. And this will be something that's here for the long haul. It's not going to go away. But we're just right now in the wild west of it. So at your own risk and use your own intuition to guide you. I would say that's what I'm definitely doing is my own intuition and alignment and trusting the resources I trust and choosing the things I choose and how much I'm investing. All of those things are made with my internal guidance, guiding me to the coin, the amount, the X, Y, and Zs. And just on that, when I'm buying them, just for added fun, I use numerology in the quantities that I buy. And I find that adds a little bit extra kick to things. <laughs> I, I love that. I totally will do the same. I love numerology or finding repetitive numbers. or I like the idea of that as well. Thank you, Faye, so much for coming on and sharing this. I'm sorry we didn't have you on sooner because you've obviously been on top of this wave far beyond where I was. But I'm glad we're having you now and that at least maybe more people are more aware right now than ever before, too. I was very happy to share. And there you have it. Faye, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. If you want to send FaZe a message, you can do so over on Instagram at FaZe Vibes. That's F-A-I-Z-V-I-B-E-S. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in Cryptocurrency Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Cryptocurrency. Before I share what I'm up to next, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software that is so easy, you enjoy using it like social media. If you have a business and you are starting one this year, perhaps that's where you're at. I'm starting a new business and I know that I'm going to have to invoice people and take track of my expenses and have an accountant and all that jazz. If you wanna get started, please try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. I've loved using it for now six years running. It is so incredible compared to the other competitors out there that I've used and hated in the past. This is the joy of my life when it comes to my business. And I can't believe I say that about bookkeeping every time, but it's true. I love it. I hope you love it as much as I do. Again, for 30 days of a free trial, that gives you basically a month to give this a shot. See if you like it. Head over to freshbooks.com slash lively. It's so easy, so simple. Invoicing, expense tracking. It makes all of your profit and loss forms. It makes it super easy when you have to do your taxes at the end of the year. It's incredible. And I hope you check it out. Now for what I'm up to next. This week, I am doing the intuition intensive stay, like I said in the beginning, and also I am ordering a sofa. It looks like a gray one is flowing into my life, not a pink one like I shared a few episodes ago. The pink one was too big. But in the meantime of that sofa getting returned, I also happened to flow into four pink velvet chairs. So yes, my apartment is starting to look a little bit like a womb at this point with all of the pink colors and I kind of love it and adoringly call it the womb apartment at this point, but the sofa, it seems will be gray. So hoping that that flows 
at least by ordering it, it doesn't seem like it's going to get here till the end of the month. So more yoga studio type apartment in the meantime. And also I am frantically or not really frantically, but just frequently, I should say, checking Ikea for the stock of their Cullen nightstands. They have not had them in my area here in Sydney, and I'm excited for them to come in. So I will have some nightstands in my bedroom. So of course, that's kind of what I'm up to decorating and intuition. Sounds like a good fit for me. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. 